Hi, my name is Neil Brennan. Hi, Neil. You Hi, Neil. Know me as a champ. Uh, I'm gonna be in Phoenix July 12th. You, Phoenix, you had best come fuck with me. And then I'm gonna be in Montreal with Moshe the 23rd through the 29th. That's correct, ladies and gentlemen. It's Moshe Kasher. I'll be at the Montreal Just for Laughs Festival that weekend, the 27th through the 29th, and then I'll also be at the Just for Laughs Festival in Toronto in September. And of course, buy my book. Casher in the Rye, and of course, watch the new normal on NBC this fall. Hi guys, DJ Doug Pond will be in Chicago <laughs> July 27th with Neil Hamburger and Tim Heidecker and K, K- Stress Strasser Yo-Yo Extravaganza. <laughs> and we will also be in Madison in Milwaukee the 28th and 29th, and going to Australia with Tim and Eric, Booyah. and New Zealand in September and October. Touring? Fuck with him. Tour. Tour. Dates? Great. We, Tour. We, a lot of I don't know the exact dates, but... Uh, we've got a guest today. His name is John Legend. Yes, my name is John Legend. Am I plugging dates as well? Go ahead and plug something, John. Uh, you can catch me on Duets on ABC, Thursdays, 8 o'clock, 7 o'clock Central. We've got three more episodes. They'll be live. Um, you can catch me at the Firefly Festival in Dover, Delaware. Never played in Dover, Delaware, but I will be there on July 20th. Also on the bill that weekend, Mr. Jack White. Uh, the Killers. I'm there. It's going to be a fun Sign weekend. me up. What do I got to do? So go watch the festival. Watch the television festival. program. Ladies and gentlemen, you're about to get fucked by the champs. Doug Pound. Fucking with the champs. Fucking fuck with the champs. Get up off Twitter. Fucking with the champs. <laughs> Fucking fuck with the champs. Who's on the wheels? Get up off Twitter. Ladies and gentlemen, now it's another exciting episode of with the champs. The champs. Yeah. What an exciting afternoon we have here in beautiful Venice, California. Doug, did you make that song up? Or did you no. Like- shout out to Jonas Polsky. He sends me a lot of drops. The one and only Jonas. That was, uh, Polsky. That was a, a, a Magilla Gorilla beat that someone made on YouTube. Very nice. People are making beats for us. And speaking of musical, unbelievable talent, Neil. Fucking this guy's got talent out the fucking ass. He's fucking with the champ. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Ladies and gentlemen, dude, this Uh, guy. This guy, this is a guy uh, I've known for eight years, and we lost touch, but we'll talk about that. But but he's a Grammy winning. This is when it's good to have won a Grammy. Nine times. Nine time Grammy Grammy Award winner. winner, Mr. John John Legend. Legend. Yes. 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 Um, so John, first of all, I don't know, uh, people may not know much about you, like yeah. where you're from, I'm Th- that's from, a great thing, we have an hour, so let's just talk about where you're from, how well, you got talk. into it, you were born and raised in Ohio, born correct? and raised in Springfield, Ohio, I lived there for 16 years, then I moved to Philadelphia, your town, sure, uh, and went to University of Pennsylvania. I heard the the Firefly Festival July twentieth is near there. It's near in Dover, Delaware. It's in Dover, Over Delaware. there in Dover, Delaware. Let's plug that again. Do you know Amir from there? I know Amir. I met Amir Thompson, Questlove from the Roots. I met him when I was graduating. Around the time when I was graduating from Penn, I would go down to uh, an event called Black Lily. Dave's probably familiar. I mean, Neil, excuse me. They're the same dude. They co-created each other. They co-created each other. (laughs) Neil, (laughs) Neil's probably familiar with that event. Uh, Was that that Sunday show? Yeah, they would do like an open mic thing at um, a place called The Five Spot. Also at a place called Wilhelmina's in Philadelphia. And at one of those events, I walked up to Amir and handed him my demo. And it went nowhere that 
interaction with nowhere. Was your demo any good? It was okay. And Do you think were he you played it? Did he listen to it? He never listened to it. He doesn't remember getting it. And were you embarrassed to do that? At the time? No. I was you were just hungry. You were I too hungry ready, to be embarrassed. I was ready to be heard. And right. I felt like, and at the time, you always feel like you're great. Like, you yeah. deserve to have a record deal right But it then. wasn't Run. awful. It wasn't like embarrassing. It wasn't awful, but it wasn't where I needed to be to be where I am What now. was on right. it? Um, there are no songs that are on any of my uh, major label albums that was on that demo. Is it Were they covers? No, it was original songs. Uh, it was original songs I worked on with a guy named Dave Tozer, who produced subsequent songs on my real, on my major label right. albums. But at the time, we weren't ready for the major leagues yet. Got it. Handed somebody a de- a, the equivalent of a demo. It was a very uncomfortable and embarrassing thing. And it was very recently. Who was it? You I won't it? say who it was. Wait, you somebody handed, handed somebody, you what did, I handed somebody my book who was taking submission, writing submissions. Mm. But uh, And I was like, hey, here's my book. You know, if you like it, consider it a writing submission. If you don't, consider it a gift. And she <laughs> went, I thought you liked me as a person. And I was like, I... Did Lace do that? Was this on a date, man? No, it was, that, it was <laughs> like... Uh, yeah, 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 yeah. I was looking deep well, in thanks. her eyes. I was looking deep in her eyes, and she kind of leaned in towards me, and I was caressing her face, and then I just went, Booyah! This is the brand new hotness. Cash in the Rye, well, available now. And then I was like, I'm sorry. I didn't mean to make it weird. And she just went, this is awful. Really? That's a yeah, horrible it was really fucking weird. story. Perhaps she overreacted. It could be true. Yeah. <laughs> it could I'm trying be to think true. of who could have... I don't know. I don't want it. That Let's doesn't name matter. names. Lena? Was it Lena Dunham? No, it wasn't Lena Dunham. <laughs> um, who else would you submit a book? Don't worry That's about who it That's not a demo. Was. That's a published. I'm just saying it's an analogous situation. Yeah, it's slightly different though. Because trying once to relate to John Legend. I'm sorry. Been, I'm sorry. My bad. Once it's been published, <laughs> you are not a in demo phase anymore. That's real. Okay, you're right. I'm some. Yeah. But I'm with you on that thing. Of, well, you get. Bitch, I'm published. <laughs> That's what I said. Dude. I started dancing around. <laughs> you know me. I'm published, you started, bitch. You started uh, making it rain with pages. I was sea walking <laughs> and making yeah, ripping them out. Yeah. Um, Just read my book. What do you do with people? Must hand you demos constantly. I'm not allowed to take them. Well, anymore. that's what I. That's I always lucky tell you. I always tell people because me and Dave used to call it getting served. Yeah. Where it's like, hey, get, and it's like, no, no, no. I don't. I, I don't, want nothing. I to, don't want to get sued. Yeah. So I have been sued, and my lawyer has instructed me to never take a demo again, because I got sued for a demo I never listened to, and it had the same lyric as like three words that were the yeah. same what were the words can you w- say there are four words where are you now <laughs> <laughs> well i mean yeah you're a thief that that's very clear how so could you think of the words where are you now that that's own. not possible there's never been another song with that in it. <laughs> so i wrote a song called maxine's interlude uh with dave tozer uh, on my second album and this guy uh apparently handed me a demo uh, a couple years before my album was released and it had the lyrics where are you now on the demo and my song also had the lyrics where are you now so not it, in the hook or anything just in there it's it was it was an interlude so it was there, there right, really so wasn't a hook, hook or, yeah. yeah so um it was in there and he accused me of stealing it from him because how could i possibly come up with where are you now without the, him the real, you can't you the, the and do you have a guilty conscience where you're like like you no, feel. I have I completely free conscience because I know I just. And did done. you settle? Yeah, I had to. Yeah. The, the real question is, do you believe that he believed that you stole it? You know, I went back and forth about that. Right. Because 
Maybe he really believes it. People uh, get crazy, you know what I mean? They yeah, start creating narrative. Yeah, and they get thirsty. Like, cats are thirsty out there. Like, right. they need some milk. They need some milk. <laughs> Do you <laughs> see why that's very difficult for me to believe? <laughs> yeah. So, he might, this might have been his one chance. He felt like he gave me something and it, something bearing a slight resemblance to it came out uh, a couple years later. And he was like, fuck John, he but stole that's my also, song. You also think, it's like when you gave Amir that demo. You think about him listening to it, right? Yes, because that's your you only, create a narrative. Yeah, yeah. You, that's yes. Your only, you have to create that narrative. That's how you're gonna make it. You but tell I, yourself. You tell this. You go on Letterman in your head and tell the story of how you gave the demo to Camille. Right. Yes, and you tell, and then, and then, and meanwhile, it means nothing to him. You should go and through all, I, the, all the new Roots music and scan through there and see if there's anything <laughs> matches up. Uh, <laughs> you know, even out that lawsuit with yes, oh, if an artist just anywhere. Handed me a demo, I just would not listen to it. Especially now. Yeah. Through not it? even because I just don't believe it's going to be good. You're right. You've uh, heard so many bad I like, demos. I, I, don't, I don't have any time to really spend on it. Well, well they also don't realize like you're very good and you're also very advanced and you have very advanced taste. So when people go like, hey, I just started singing. What do you think of my first day of singing? It's like maybe give it a couple years before you call me. Well, the thing is, it's extremely difficult to say I I can't take your demo. Right. But now I have to say it. My lawyer's like, if you if you take it, then you then you're kind of liable if if anything you come out with sounds anything like it. And well, now you can say I legally cannot. Yes, because people I, actually I, get behind. They can. That's they can better, get right? That. Yeah. How can they prove Look. that you that you took it or not if it's you know, how is it a documented thing? Well, this guy you know? actually had a picture of me having met him. <laughs> oh, my God. We were, back <laughs> st- we were backstage. You got to keep your hands in a, the air. And yeah. touch we, were, we were backstage at a show that I had performed in North Carolina. And he has a picture of me having met him. And so that was enough evidence crazy. But the to, real, to make it not, uh, you know, com- uh, make it plausible that right. he handed me a demo. The real question is, where is he now? No. Anybody? No. Anybody at all? Not Where anyone at all. Sorry. He's gonna sue you. you now? <laughs> He's gonna sue you. For yeah, saying you can't say that. that. Where are you now? I'm gonna settle. I'm gonna settle out of court with that dude for seventy-five dollars. <laughs> Did you resent Amir for not listening to your demo? No. I relate a great deal because I recently texted Amir at the Bumper Shoot Festival wa- watching you rip it on stage. No response to that text message. Yeah. So I felt really neglected <laughs> yeah. by he that. Still so, hasn't texted you Amir, back? if you're listening, I'm calling <laughs> you is. out, calling you out by name. I watched you rip it, bro, and it was like nothing. Yeah. I was in Barcelona when he was there and he was at the Sonar Fest and I emailed him no response to oh him. Amir wow. dude you're fucking up man <laughs> wait uh, in so what the way? only way the only way I the only way I found out that Amir hadn't listened to it was when we did this album Wake Up Together uh we started interviewing about my days in Philly and I told the story of how I handed him my demo and then he was like oh man I don't remember ever getting your demo oh. uh, and he's like but he says he never throws away demos. So he thinks my demo is somewhere in his house. The thing his about Amir is he loves getting sued. <laughs> well, he, he has a DJ. collection of albums and discs and stuff that is like volumes and volumes. Yeah, he has like, he has like storage facilities. And he says shit. he doesn't throw these things away. So he says somewhere in there is the John Stevens demo. Oh, yeah, you, that's John's real I name. I blew it. Oh. Did you change it to legend so it would kind of be so a self-fulfilling So people would think prophecy? I was awesome. Yeah. No, 
It was actually a nickname. This guy, Jay Ivey, started calling me. He started calling me the legend. Probably, I, I never really asked him why, but he, I have this old school voice and I sound like, you know, some of the people we grew up listening to. And so he just started calling me the legend. And uh, it was a nickname that stuck. And by the time I was thinking about, you know, what I was going to do in my career, uh, a bunch of people in the industry knew me as John Legend, even though I was still publicly known as John Stevens. And Kanye put it on one of his mixtapes that I was John Legend. I had to decide at some point, you know, am I going to go with this cocky ass sounding name? <laughs> or am I going to be the relatively mundane? Yeah, because you're so not like that you're so not like john legend's here everybody like the windows of his car aren't tinted oh really like, maybe maybe like maybe tint them like invest the hundred bucks <laughs> although you do it's have all that about the bling bling you do have that song with Ludacris where you are saying that you are the gr the greatest lover of all time i'm saying that i, I might be the best one she'll ever have yeah. which is a smaller bar, lower bar because yeah, you women, don't know who that woman is in yeah. your mind how many women how many men has that woman slept with <laughs> yeah right exactly she might be straight out of the like church camp or something like under 10 yeah like, like, under 10. Who, who knows who knows you didn't, that's you cut that out who of the knows song. as long as you've slept with under 10 <laughs> i'll be the greatest but over 10 it'll be mediocre i'm just gonna fade into the <laughs> <laughs> I'll just be like another dude. Bring a dick from your past. <laughs> <laughs> Might see me at the airport. Is um, it hard for you to? The, now that's our demo. That's me and Neil's demo. What and, do you think? Uh, just uh, can you put us on uh, your label or? Do you oh, have he's a manager? Not to hear that. <laughs> we do not have managers. We're comedy managers. Yeah, yeah. does that count? <laughs> uh, okay, so then you were you went to Penn and you got what kind of degree? English. Okay, then you moved to New York. Uh, yeah, after one year in Boston. So I graduated and I got a job at this consulting firm called Boston Consulting Group. Mitt Romney also worked there at some point. Oh, shit. Right? Another legend. You guys started together. So Love it. No, we Mitt was going to run, actually, as Mitt Legend. So did uh, BB Netanyahu. And <laughs> did some, he really? Oh, that's my guy. Famous people. That's my guy. That's, most you're, of the big that's my Mitt Romney. You're, <laughs> of the, you're, you're of the tribe? <laughs> He's a, one of the big Jews. No, okay. Yeah, well, his brother is a, is a rabbi. You have a very Israeli kind of name. Look at those it's arms. It's very Israeli, but I'm not yeah. Israeli at all. Yeah, I'd have very Israeli kind of arms, too. Were you in the army or anything? No, look at me, man. No, of course not. No, but... Those they military issue glasses, though. They got some real dorky. Dudes no, they do. It's a, you know it, what's interesting about the Israeli military is that it's a because everybody goes to the military. They have like geeks and hippies and weirdos and freaks. Everybody has to go to the army. They have like the medical uh, guy. They have the yeah. communications guy. Every person has to go to the army. It also, not everybody's fighting. Right. It's like the Breakfast Club, except they hate Palestinians. That's right. Well, no, you, that's <laughs> an unknown thing about the Breakfast Club is that all of the characters they all hate they, the they Palestinians. Do, yeah. As well. Yeah. Uh, interesting. It's not um, spoken out loud, but you can no, see. It if you watch yeah. it again uh, all right so you you lived in boston you, were, so you were making like you were doing like a guy who went to penn i was doing the guy who went to penn thing and did you were you doing it to make your like to fulfill somebody else's obligation or did you just feel like it's a fine way to go well i had to work so there was no question about whether i was going to work or not it was just a matter of what kind of job i was going to take how much money i was going to get paid because I was going to do music on the side, and I was making demos, I was doing all this and that. But I was going to have to work a day job anyway. So either I was going to be a waiter, or I was going to do something that was in line with my degree. So I decided, let's make some money. All my friends are doing it. <laughs> <laughs> was it like an evil corporation kind of thing? 
Uh, I didn't feel like it was evil. It was a bunch of see. BC, was it a hedge fund? No, BCG is a consulting firm, and they do strategy advice for big companies and, and medium-sized companies, mostly big companies. I just feel like if Mitt Romney shit. and BB Netanyahu worked there, it's there's probably some shady, shady shit going down. Yeah, but this was young in their uh, early part of their careers, and then they graduated to bank capital. To more, yeah, to yeah, more and shit. other yeah. shady yeah. shit, yeah. And military yeah, industrial money. complex and uh, all that. No, a lot. Most R and B singers start at Boston. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yes, as that you word, can imagine. Didn't, uh, and didn't, Trey Songz was right, right alongside me. <laughs> yeah, Kells was there. Right? Yeah, uh, Silk, Silk. Kells was Silk. my uh, supervisor. <laughs> It's the Candyman. Candyman started right. there. Right. Actually, Candyman yes. ro- wrote "Knocking Boot, Knocking the Boots." Body rocker, knocking the boots. At Candyman's the early '90s. You remember the um, "Come Baby, Come Baby, no, Baby, knock, Come Come"? Knocking Boots. Knocking the Boots the was H Town. Oh was wait, H-town. wait, what was Candyman? What did Candyman do? Well, what did Candyman? Candyman. Hey guys, when John sings, ooh boy, you're right. When John sings, we all shut the yeah. You stop talking. That was just another sound effect. So you're in. There's no guy called Candyman. There's a movie. There, you, you get this. There for fam- sure is Candyman. I'm not familiar with this. There's no Candyman, candy but and I doubt that he was saying, "Oh boy, I love you so." No, that was the girl singing oh. to him. Candyman. No, 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 no. All right, guys, we'll cut this entire part out of the podcast. <laughs> no, I'm we're embarrassed. Even as a public no shame. No way. It's <laughs> a shame. Exactly. As your, your lack. We of have Google machines here. Somebody can Google it. All right. So you're in Boston. I'm in Boston for one year, and I asked my firm, "Can I transfer to New York?" Because that's where I wanted to be in the first place. And How often were did that's you That's the concrete jungle, jungle where dreams are made of. Yeah, apparently. of course. <laughs> and um, uh, I was singing, I was writing, uh, I was making demos, this and that. But Is there an open mic circuit for singers? Like, what do you do if you live in Boston, in New York, in Boston and you want to no. be a singer? In Boston, I was driving down to New York and Philly every weekend. Wow. So I wasn't doing the music thing in Boston. Okay. I would work all week and then go down to Philly or New York in the, on the weekend. So I was like, can I just move to New York? Shaggy. And so I did move to New York. Um, and things started to move once I got to New York. How? Um, I met Kanye in 2001. Where? Uh, at Jimmy's Uptown, which uh, you can actually, the, the day I was there and I met him, I recorded a live CD. So you can uh, check out Live at Jimmy's Uptown. It might be on uh, iTunes as well. Um, but also Live at SOBs. But... Uh, Live at Jimmy's Uptown, that was in uh, the summer of 2001. I met Kanye because he was my roommate from college's cousin. Okay. Uh, my roommate's name is Devon Harris. Uh, we went to school at Penn, and we were roommates uh, in New York when I moved to New York. He said, my cousin's moving to town. He just produced some stuff for Rockefeller. Uh, the Blueprint was about to come out in September of that year. Uh, on September 11th. September 11th, that, as a matter of fact. Is that right? Yes. It was supposed to on drop the on the day. It, 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 did, it, drop. Did, oh, it drop. did drop on. Wow. And still yeah. sold like 500,000 copies, but yeah. uh, it came out the day, you know, you know the, the day. Something else came out that day, right? Al Qaeda, yeah. <laughs> yeah, Al Qaeda. Yeah. Ben Laden came out. <laughs> the that Patriot. Came out. He, he dropped, that was the day the <laughs> he dropped his demo that day. <laughs> that war in Iraq a... came out. Um, can I just. This is more interesting than. I just need to say this for my own. The artist is Candyman. The song is called Knockin' Boots. So fuck, oh, all, fuck all y'all. But. That's you Shaggy. S- no, this is Candyman. No, but Ooh Boy, I Love You So is Shaggy. Um, I might have got- but that was a, his was a sample. When Shaggy used it, by the time he used it, it had been used It probably before. was, yeah. I feel really vindicated. So you're, you were right? I was right. But the Why actual it, song the, I was I've singing was H-Town. You're, you're right. I, yeah. 
I, I just the, feel I have some bad news for you. I still feel like you're wrong. <laughs> <laughs> What's right. the song called? Knocking right. so Boots? Does, Fair enough. So does everybody else. Candyman Knocking Boots. I'm sorry, John. Please All right, continue. Folks. All right. So you, you recorded uh, in, in uh, and was Kanye. Okay. Let's talk about Kanye because. I think he's maybe the most mis. Do you think he would you agree that he's misunderstood or do you think he's perfectly understood? I think um, he's complicated. Um, I think people don't see every side of him. They see kind of the the most kind of outlandish sides of him. Right. Uh, and they don't know him as a person. But, you know, that, that's what it is. That's you don't know right. us as people. Right. Uh, right. Completely. You know, parts of us and parts of us get caricatured into all of us. Right. Uh, and so. Uh, the things people see him do they are real they're not mirages uh but they're not all of who he is well the problem also with kanye is that his his music is so like sort of complex and like yeah. brilliant and so some of the things he does are let's say more you know, sort of less complex and brilliant in the public eye and so there's this sort of weird juxtaposition of what people see like this image that people see well one of and your buddies is Kanye West and then it's like profound music that he's making so he's hard to understand I feel like well you know? he's a complicated guy yeah and uh, he's obviously a genius guy like he as a creative person he's one of the most important people we have in the culture right now so I completely agree I agree as well I, I've yeah. always I've always no, I, said that I agree as well I mean and, it's and his importance, particularly in music, but he's also, you know, uh, stunning when it comes to visuals and uh, com conveying what the music means visually. Um, and he has a great eye for all of that. And a, and he has a passion for art and and uh, design. And, and he's such an important mind um, that we've got to value people like that. I think he's done more... You could make a case that he's moved hip hop more than anyone in like, the history of hip hop. That's interesting. There's meaning, a, I mean, you could say Dr. Dre did that yes. as well, uh, but he's one of the few. But like, made a change the way right. people made it that's okay true. to dress well. Right. Made it okay to like white shit. Yeah. Right. All right. I mean, I, you know what I mean? Like, that's a thing that no one ever says, but like, he made it right. cool to like Daft Punk and Radiohead. Well, actually, and, and after Kanye was the first time that you ever saw black culture, uh, black teenagers begin to adopt fashion white from shit. white people. Yeah, which we, we is, like always kind went, of got the hipster thing uh, yeah. uh, going, uh, and it was partly because of him. Yeah. Right, but until that time, it was always the opposite. Yeah. You know, white kids sagging but the pants. But why is that the most beanies. important thing? For no, that's not. I'm just the reverse made, I'll, tell you, no, no, I'll tell you why. Because it made... There was hip hop. You had to be a certain thing. It opened up possibilities in hip hop. You had to be a I certain thing. You had to there. be either a gangster or a drug dealer, uh, and that was kind of all you. Or could you could be, be like, an intellectual. You could, you could right. be an intellectual. You could be political. You could be lover man like Heavy D. Kind right. Of. Um, but there, the the nineties, the late nineties especially, and then early two thousands, there weren't a lot of models of hip-hop that could be he he kind of bridged the whole backpack and commercial thing right. yeah. in a way that no one did in uh, a mega mainstream way yeah he because he he loved yeah. quali he loved most deaf he loved tribe he, uh, and tribe was successful obviously very successful in their day um but he was one of the few that bridged this whole backpack aesthetic right. with with uh making hugely commercial popular records and he brought a level of artistry to hip-hop 
that I don't think anyone has brought. Right. I don't, yeah, you could he, you could argue that Andre. No one has made, but Andre. But you could argue Andre that Andre. Beats? Right, but you could argue that Andre, Andre was making a lot of his own beats on that last uh, speaker okay. box. You could argue that he tried to do that with the love below, but first of all, it was too separated from his from the hip hop persona that he had established, and it just didn't. I loved that album, but it didn't quite like break. The the that sort of barrier like I like and it did. wasn't as much of a hip hop album. That's right, exactly. As, yeah. as as it was kind of like a soul kind of progressive soul rock kind of thing. Yeah, he sort of dove into his persona in yeah. some way. Yeah. yeah, he he went all the way in there. So not saying Andre's not hip hop, but I would say that album wasn't as meaningful for hip hop as what Kanye right. has done because it really wasn't classified in my mind as a as a genuine hip hop right. album. I agree with that I for agree. sure. Um, and yeah, and if, if Andre made his own beats, he, he made hey, he, he did make a lot of his own beats. Uh, I'm pretty certain of that. Yeah, I guess. Well, I guess Kanye, he is a producer and a musician. It's getting to the point where Kanye has more hits than Dre, right? Yeah. And he's got like he's produced more hits than Dre. And he, and he and he's and he's rhymed over more hits than Dre. And he's making music. Um, we need more music. <laughs> we need more music from Andre to kind of say right what his status in hip hop is at this moment. Right. Like the last hit he was on was my song, uh, Green Light. And um, when what that was a year ago? And that was oh eight oh nine. Oh, he oh, produced wow. Green Light. No, he just uh, rapped on it. Oh, interesting. Oh, cool. But he's been on other songs since then. But there's not been nothing kind of big and important that Andre's been on when, in years. What What was the moment for you though, as an artist, when you realized like, oh shit, this is happening? Yeah, that's what I wanted to get into because I Whoa. knew you guys a little bit when before the Kanye's record came out, before yes. your record came out, and it was like, did you? Were you con? It never occurred to me that they wouldn't work or would work. I was just like, oh yeah, that guy's got a record coming out. Yeah. So. 2001, I met Kanye. 2002 and three, we were working pretty heavily on his demo, which became The College Dropout, mm -hmm. and my demo, which became Get Lifted. Both of those albums came out in 2004. Um, but Kanye was already making a lot of noise by 2003. Um, Through the Wire came out. He, right. got, he got in an accident in 02, uh, I believe, or was it the end of 01? I forget, but he, he got in an accident he did Through the Wire. Through the Wire was his first big song. He also did Slow Jams with uh, Twista and Jamie Foxx. And those songs started blowing up when I was on the road singing backup for Kanye and playing keyboards with him while he was out promoting his songs to like small clubs and we would go to like Norfolk, Virginia and, and Chicago and all these smaller venues playing in front of like 200 people, uh, maybe with a radio station involved or whatever. And, and doing he, well, were you well received or was it? Uh, it different? was small, it was small, but this, this, these two songs were blowing up. So right. those are his two calling cards, uh, Through the Wire and, um, and uh, the Slow Jams. And so we would go to these different places and people would notice like who's that guy singing because I was the only guy singing and then Kanye was rapping uh, and sometimes Consequence would be there GLC these were guys that were signed to Kanye's label so we'd be going around and you know it was going well but when those songs really took off and there was a lot of excitement around Kanye's album coming out that February of 2004 that's when record labels who I'd been shopping to over the last two years with a demo that started to resemble what Get Lifted became. Uh, 
So over 2002, 2003, I did like Used to Love You, number one, Stay With You, a lot of the songs that were on my first album. Used to Love You was on one of Kanye's mixtapes, right? Yeah, it was on uh, the I'm Good mixtape. Right. Um, and um, so those things were already in existence, but I wasn't getting signed by anybody. For some reason, they just didn't feel like they believed That's yet. the other thing I've noticed is the way that the record business works, it literally, they'll just kind of like flirt with you. Yeah, they'll flirt with you. They'll just kind of like, I like, no, we should sit down. Yes. You should come in. They but do that in comedy, too. But they're, yes. but they're risk but averse. In, yeah. It takes, it'll take over years right. before they're yeah. right. But they're risk averse. So the same demo that I was out with in 02 and 03 suddenly sounded a lot better once the college dropout came out huh. in February of 04. And well, sold, that Kanye sound. And sold 400,000 records yeah. the first week. So... Used to love you. All these songs are on there. The only song, notably, that wasn't was actually "Ordinary People." So pretty much. Had you written it though? No, I had not written it. Okay. So I wrote. That was one of the only songs I wrote after I got my record deal. So I got my record deal in May of 2004. So started working with Kanye in 01. Had been working with Dave Tozer since 98, 99, and the two of them were the main people that crafted my demo, and then. Didn't get a record deal with those songs that were made over that time period until mm. May of 2004. This was after Kanye had officially blown up. And then I went on tour with him uh, in Europe. And um, when I was on tour with him in Europe that summer, I had just written a hook for the Black Eyed Peas. We're just ordinary people. It was over a beat. We don't know which way to go. And they were going to rap to the, the main part, and that was going to be the hook. And me and Will I Am wrote this hook. And I was like, man, this really sounds more like a love song that I should right. be doing and not uh, a rap song that, you know, a pop rap group should be doing. Um, and so was that I, before Where Is The Love? It was around, it was around the same time. It was around the same time. They just had like a plan, right? It feels like they were like just a bunch of weed smokers. And then a record label was like, yo, you got to get this girl to yeah, they, with uh, you. Jimmy told, I think Jimmy told Will he needs to put Fergie in the group. And then Jimmy Ivey. And then just like pop. And then they were just pop records. Well, did you hear their first album? It was a straight yeah, was up like, backpacker yeah, like, hip hop. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But they, I think, well... Will loves to dance, so I think it was always meant that I he mean, we would, all love to dance. No, but he's I like mean, a real fantastic. The, their whole group was built on dancing, though. Yeah. So it's like they were breaking, they were doing whatever. Yeah. So I think it was only natural that they would make dance music, right. whatever the dance music of the time was. Okay. And then them being with Fergie made it more pop, uh, just by the virtue of having a white girl singing high. I right. Think, made it more pop, and it worked. It definitely worked. <laughs> That's correct. This is this is Jimmy Iovine and and Will, you know, deciding, hey, let's do it. And Will can and I just think produce Will, songs like that. Like that's the thing is like just turning on a dime. Well, Will's very versatile and very musical, and like I said, I think everything he does is driven by dancing. Like he wants to make beats that people will dance to, and yeah. he that's what he's done. I can't front on the Black Eyed Peas. I'm sorry. You can't front I on can't them. front on them. The oh. last record. I had like some boom boom pow. You're thinking of the one before the last one because they kind of did one right after that didn't go anywhere. But I don't think I count that then. Yeah, I count <laughs> boom boom pow and all that. That's yeah, a the, great song. the E and D. Yeah. When yeah. I first heard that song, that's like um, something something bar mitzvah. 
You know, uh, they're big hits. Mazel tov. Yeah. Mazel. I, I got I, a feeling. I literally thought, who is there a Jewish pop super group that just released a single that I didn't know about? I thought they were singing <laughs> about bar mitzvahs because it was like a bunch of Jews. And then yeah. I was like, oh, it's I a Black Eyed Peas. It's a great song. I got feelings. A great pop song. Yeah, absolutely. Um, all right. So you wrote that with Will. So I wrote the chorus with Will. Just and then, knowing you have a knowing, so you didn't even write it for yourself. You just were writing. Yeah. That's the other thing people may not know is that when you're a signed artist, a lot of times you'll just be writing for other artists that are also yeah. signed. Yeah. You just write. I write. I, I write almost every day. Like most of it's for me, but I write for other people quite a lot. Um, and do you, how do you decide? It just doesn't sound like you? Uh, well, when I go into a session to write for a person, then I write with them in mind, and it's not for me. But there will be a song on my album. There'll be probably a couple songs on my album that I meant for other people. They didn't take them for one reason or another. And then I was like, oh, actually, I would sound really good doing this. I'm going to keep it. Yeah. You say that in front of them, correct? You know who'd sound great on this? <laughs> the, le- the legend himself. The legend. I don't do that. John Stevens? I don't do, I don't do that at the beginning, but if I live with it for a while and I'm like, wow, I'd, I'd probably do better with this than they would, uh, then I some way try to finesse it away from them. Have we talked about the way credit gets split up in the music business? Uh, we haven't. Cause I, have we talked about Because it's yeah. so crazy. You know, they will just write John and whomever else will just write a song and then after they've written it, they'll go, how much of the profit should I get? How much of the profit should you get based on your contribution? Yeah. So it must just be like a lot of weird fights. Or, it, it, or can get, it can get awkward if people don't represent correctly what they've done. Um, most of the time, we don't have fights. If there are any fights, they're usually over. Like It's, it's usually within... The margin of error. It's not like a dramatic difference, like where I say I'm entitled to 60% and they say I'm entitled to 30. It's usually not that. It's usually more like I say I want 50 and they say I should get 40. And we go back and forth in within that 10%. And you'll go, but I came up with the chorus. Yeah, yeah. then I'll say what I came up with. And it's eventually, you just try to do the right thing. Most right. people do. It also must be. And there's also ways you can do power moves, though. So if you're a certain artist, I won't name names. But if you're like a super successful pop artist that doesn't write songs, you still can get writing credit on oh, your song. Oh, yeah, yeah, right. yeah, yeah, yeah. I was so going to say, if you're, and if you, you're a nobody songwriter, you probably get less credit than yeah, you, you deserve. Yeah, it's a power move to an extent. Everything is a negotiation, and negotiations are in some ways driven by your leverage. Um, and so... So, like, someone like Madonna. We're not going to say so, Madonna. So, yeah, like, if, you're like, Madonna, oh, wrote, no if you're Madonna... And then no one's going to Madonna, If you're Madonna, you don't even have to have the... Um, the artifice of saying I wrote this much, you can just say, oh, no, I'm taking 25%. Right. Period. I've had sex with Madonna. <laughs> and and no, one can, no one can argue with you because they're very happy to get on a Madonna album. And 75% of a lot yeah. is better than 100% of right. a little. Did you see? I'm not good with math. Yes. Are you sure? I'm certain. <laughs> did, you, did you see her titty recently? I did no, see that. Was it rough? So I saw it too. It was not. I didn't find it rough. Everybody it else fine. was saying it was gross. It was great. It looked fine. We've all been thinking about it for so many Madonna years. Madonna has the greatest. We've all seen it. For yeah, the many. greatest. That's true too. I You've seen that sex me, book? Yeah, the greatest uh, breast to nipple ratio <gasps> in the game. One of the greatest <laughs> ever. Well, but I haven't assessed. Okay, so then you're writing. So you're with Kanye. You're singing, and Kanye's doing well. 
Yeah, and I already have a record deal at this point. Now you have a record deal. I'm writing the verses for Ordinary People while I'm on tour in Europe. And everything else, when I come back, we got to finish the rest of the album. I record a demo of Ordinary People, and I promise Will I would let him produce it. Uh, since I kind of stole the song from our session. And uh, what ended up happening, though, the demo that I sent him was the version that came out on the radio. Through on, some, a on purpose. No, oh, on okay. purpose. But the more we lived with it, we were like, why would we do anything to it? Let's just put it out the way it is. And so in August of 2004, I put out my first single, Used to Love You. It was kind of loosely based on the beat that Kanye had done for Get By. Right. Uh, for tw- were you scared quality. about that? Nah, okay. we thought it was like a good continuation. I did too, and there somebody else had done that back then too, right? Like there was there was a little movement where they would like a, take a beat and make an R and B. Yeah, you kind of chop it. it. Yeah, it, it's yeah. been done many times actually, uh, where something that was big in hip hop, somebody's done kind of a R and B take on it. Right. Uh, and this wasn't even the same beat, but it was similar enough that it would draw comparisons, but not the same. Uh, that came out. It did okay. It wasn't like a big hit, but it was like the first thing people saw from me. But at the same time, a station in Chicago started playing Ordinary People, WGCI. And uh, they really believed in Ordinary People. They just loved it and thought it was going to be big. And it started to blow up in Chicago first. And then before we even started promoting it, it started to get big around the country. And then, uh, you know, we started to transition to promoting it. I shot a video for it in December of '04. Kanye produced it, uh, directed the video. Uh, and it was this kind of beautiful, stark uh, black, oh, yeah, and, white black and white video um, with an infamous slap scene in it. Um, <laughs> Did uh, you not know it was the hit uh, when you when you recorded it? Um, I didn't know it was a hit when I recorded it. Uh, I started to feel like it was going to be a hit when it started to be on my. Uh, it was on my sampler. Uh, right. that the label was handing out and just the response uh, for it was just really exciting people but, were excited but you didn't it. know when you did it this because I always think about that I don't know when I do a song that it's going to be a hit. interesting that's like what, what could every song you could make a case that it should be a hit or could like it could be a hit or could not yeah like, when when I first write them that what would be your knock against ordinary people as like this won't work as a radio song? well because it, uh, it had no beat <laughs> it sounded like nothing else that was out yeah All but right. that was actually the gift and the curse of the song so it didn't it didn't actually hit number one or top the charts on any chart, not the R&B chart, not the, not the pop chart, not anything. And I think if it had a beat and was as important as it was, it would have hit number one on some chart. Uh, but because it was important, but it didn't have a beat, and so it did okay on the chart, but it didn't do as well as it, I would What do you mean by upload. important? It was important in that it meant something, it stood out, and it was Got like it. a signature record for me. Okay. And it helped define me. It still helps define who I am now. Even though Green Light was a bigger song, even though Tonight, my current record, Best You Ever Had, may end up eclipsing it in radio spins, uh, it was career-defining as far as saying, this guy plays the piano, he sings, he writes authentic love songs that people can relate to. Right. Um, and so it will always mean mean a lot for my career, even though it wasn't like a smash hit. It wasn't a smash in the sense that, you know, a Katy Perry song is a smash right. or even an Usher song is a smash on R&B radio. So, but it was big enough to be important for my career and help set me up into being uh, a star. So... <laughs> 
a legend, that, if you will. So, so when no, I, you're not just a story. So you're when when I started, you, you asked me when did I start to feel like, okay, yeah, things are happening. One day, I got a call from Oprah Winfrey. <laughs> Done deal. Mm-hmm. And yeah. Magic Johnson on the same day. <laughs> yeah, that's about it. That yeah. was like January, February. That's Black Heaven, right? Oh, oh five. That, <laughs> that, if, that is like Jesus that's and Mother Mary. And yeah. yeah, I mean, that's Pretty it. Pretty much. <laughs> yeah. That'd be like if I got a call from BB Netanyahu and like maybe Woody Allen with Sun Yi on yeah. speakerphone. That's great when, you, when Kanye calls you and you're like, I can't talk to you right now. Yeah. <laughs> I, got, I got magic on the phone I right now. And, uh, uh, what did they want? They both wanted me to play at, an, at separate events they were doing uh, on different days. And of course I did it. And I wonder if anybody's ever said no to Oprah. And Magic asked me to... Um, Magic asked me to perform at his house actually as well for a charity event he was doing all in the same day. I was like, oh, this shit is starting to happen. Yeah, man. And, uh, <laughs> I'm blowing up. I'm blowing up. I'm blowing up. I run this shit. <laughs> and, uh, you know, so that was like when it really felt like things were happening. I started opening for Alicia Keys around that time from like February to April of 05. And the re- response was really great. Everyone knew ordinary people. And in arenas, I take it? No, we were in theaters. We were in, like, Radio City Music Hall. We were, you know, all those size venues, right. like 5,000 people, 6,000 people, 4,000. And we were, and, and I was, you know, doing really well uh, all across the country. Then I headlined my first tour that summer uh, with Life Jennings, my fellow Ohioan R&B singer. And then, uh, and then I did another tour in the fall. And by then, it was like, okay. I have, you know, arrived. I'm like a, a significant R&B star at this point. Do you okay? So do you find I run that, this? All right, I run this. <laughs> do you find that uh, it matches? Do you have a good personality for it? Oh yeah. <laughs> okay, you do. You were made for fame. Well, not fame, but just I, I'm made to handle not, it. Yeah. yeah. I'm not. I'm not the most, you know, fame seeking. I'm not the most. I'm not excited about the PR game of it. I don't have, you know, I don't call paparazzi and do this and that thing. But I think that's part of why I handle it well is because I don't let it overwhelm my life. I still try to live a fairly normal life, uh, you know, as normal as it can be. Well, so you... It ain't no thing. And and, uh, one of the things I always say is I think it's better better for your sanity when it happens to you as an adult than if it happens to you as a 14-year-old or 16-year-old. How old were you when in 04? Uh, I was 25. Uh, yeah, that's still grown. pretty young, but yeah, no. You were, you well, were Soldier Boy though. seems to be handling fame pretty well. Soldier Boy is not <laughs> a bad musician. But Soldier Boy makes some catchy shit. He yes. does. You and Soldier Boy, I tell him. <laughs> and that is no small task, and his beats are fun. Like It's really, yeah. it's really fun music. Yes. Did you see the Ice T? I'm back again. Did you see the Ice T Soldier Boy beef? It's kind of odd when the legends are are sparring with the children. Yeah, man. Yeah. Speaking of <laughs> legends and children, <laughs> love it. Uh, uh, John had a barbecue Fourth of July. Okay. Yes. Uh, I was. He was nice enough to invite me. Very cool. Yeah. Uh, we're and, friends, and we're we're actually on the street friends. Dang. All right. So at the party, uh, Frank Ocean. Frank Ocean. This on yes. 4th of July. Frank Ocean and 
Stevie Wonder. Wow. Yeah. yeah. Stevie Wonder is on your party invite list? Yes, he is. That's he pretty came. great. This is the first time he ever came. I've invited him multiple times. I've had Bill Withers at the house. Did you parties. really? Yeah, recently. He became a friend because he heard my song, uh, or my cover of his song, Which uh, I Can't Write Left Handed. It's on the album with The Roots, uh, Wake Up. Um, I covered that song, and Bill Russell... Oh, the best. The Celtics, great. Wrote, one, uh, one of his greatest, autobiography is excellent. One of the greatest basketball players of all time. And a really interesting guy. One of the most important black dudes of the One of the most important the black men of the, of the 1900s and particularly uh, black athletes. So, uh, but he, this is a crazy story. He calls Bill Withers up and says, have you heard this song that... John Legend and the Roots did covering you. So I have Bill Withers getting a call from Bill Russell. That's crazy. Uh, about this cover we did of, of Bill Withers' song. And I get an email from Bill Withers that he found my manager. Bill Withers has email. Bill yes. Withers has email. He found my manager, emailed him, and said, could you pass this note to John Legend? I was fucking on cloud nine can imagine. So cool. when I got this email. One from him to that was referred to him by Bill Russell and telling and telling me how much he loved the cover of of his song that we did. I you couldn't tell me shit that day. I was real happy. You're That's running. That's really cool. <laughs> I'm running. This. Uh, can, Out of sight. Can we talk about Frank Ocean? Yeah, let's talk week. about Frank. Yeah. Okay, Frank Ocean, if you don't know, R&B singer down with Odd Future uh and basically came this week, said that his he wrote a blog post that's it was the liner notes of his record. More or less, a it was like a very beautiful and abstract way to a, come out of the closet. Out. It was yeah. very and interesting he said and beautiful. It was, it was, it was kind of gorgeous. It was yeah. like, uh, I got emotional reading it because, one, he's a, he's a really amazing artist. Like, this yeah. guy... He's a great writer, amazing lyricist. I've known him for a few years now. He actually wrote a song on my last uh, solo album, Evolver. I didn't actually meet him at the time. He just had sent it to my A&R, and my A&R loved it, and it got to me. Um, and He sued you. It's fine. And, uh, no, I, he, got, he got paid. He got good credit <laughs> for it. Uh, but anyway, uh, over time, I got a chance to write with him and just got to know him. And this guy's just really got an interesting mind, and he's an amazing lyricist and writer. And I've heard his new album, and it's beautiful. And so You described him as a bit of a weirdo. And I, and I told him, I said, I was like, you are kind of weird. <laughs> <laughs> I, said, I, said this to him. I said this to him and I said, Frank, uh, he was uh, going by Lonnie Bro at the time. I was like, you being weird is what makes you a great writer. It makes you like really interesting. You say things in a way no one else says it. And this is super cool. And it also might make you go crazy. And I hope, Dude. hope you don't go crazy like some of our favorite artists have gone crazy. Right. Because like music needs people like you right. to be making music. You also told him, whatever you do, don't name yourself Frank Ocean. <laughs> <laughs> it's too cocky. It's, it's too damn cocky, Frank. <laughs> yeah. Don't change your name, because who would do something stupid like this that? This is John Legend. <laughs> picked up the phone. Yeah. So anyway, he wrote this beautiful letter explaining, you know, what, to me, it, it was him explaining he was bisexual, which some of us have a hard time grasping what that means, because I, like, for a guy, because it's like, if you're gay, you're gay, or if yeah. you like dick, you're gay. Yeah. You're like I don't. If you've I, ever liked a dick, you're gay. You're gay forever. Yeah, yeah that's how most. You of liked us, a gay for a for a minute. 
you liked it for a lifetime. Yeah, so it was kind of like it was hard to understand like what he was actually coming out saying, you know. But I thought that was what some part of the power was. It wasn't. It was. It was like this weird message, like, "Hey, this is truth." Yeah. He also couched it by saying, "I my first love yeah. was a yeah. guy, not yeah. just some dude." That I it didn't it didn't feel sexual at all. Yeah, it felt, it felt like love. Emotional. It felt yeah. like love. And, love and like sex. I said, when I read it, <laughs> I got a little bit emotional because it was like a beautiful thing, and I knew it was super hard for of him course. to do. Right. Because, oh man, I could just imagine. I, I know especially odd future fans. You yeah, know what I mean? Yeah, and the whole you know the whole issues that they had with saying faggot. Especially alive. odd future right. members. Right. Fuck fans. <laughs> Did you see Tyler's? Um, tweet yeah, about yeah he supported his yeah. boy which said, I, I thought was great he said something like my man finally fucking did that shit anyway i'm hungry or something <laughs> weird like that yeah, <laughs> yeah it was, oh i'm on the toilet yeah, yeah. <laughs> but it was like a moment like it was a moment in hip-hop history because right. no one's really done this right um no one's really come out though obviously there have been gay r&b singers for years right but no Who one specifically by name oh, just kidding on. i'm just kidding <laughs> no, no no out them be brave for them <laughs> <laughs> so anyway for him to do this was such a brave like beautiful thing to do and, i agree and i think it makes it sets up his music perfectly because if you understand the kind of man that would be able to write that letter and do it the way he did it then you'll love the music he's going to make because it's really honest and beautiful and super bold and artistic and cool. That so letter. I'm excited for the music to come out and everybody to hear it because it all it, it all just makes sense. That's the That's value. I think I told him this at your party. All right, I didn't. I told him I was proud of him. Yeah, I, I told him said, that too. But I said, uh, I think I said it first. Yes. And <laughs> Chrissy might have said it first. Um, <laughs> uh, no, so I, I told him I was proud of him. But but that's the beauty of youth. He didn't know not to come out. Do you know what I mean? Like it's in, he knows it's a little bit brave. Well, he knows it's bit, risky. He knows but, it's risky but it's, for I sure. I don't think if he know, do you and think trust he knows me, exactly how risky it is. Well, of course, he's not. You're yeah. watching his Twitter feed, then you know what kind of response he's been getting. Well, here, this is what I wanted to say at the party. Yeah, I'm not gonna. I I was I went over after I said, hey, I'm proud of you. Went over and talked to somebody, couple couple dudes. And I was like, yeah, I just told Frank. I was like proud of him. Like it's a big deal. Like. I'm fucking 38. That shit yeah. has never happened. Like, yeah. I felt like I was in a better mood because it was like, oh, a, you, a large conception of something has completely changed before right. my eyes. I was going to say, it's I, not just youth, it's generation, too. Yes. It's from a different generation. Yeah. It felt like, as I know this is way overstated, but as significant as like having a black president in a, in a stupid, stupid way. Right, because even these days, the most kind of like, the most homophobic thing that you'll hear in public is, I'm cool with it, but I'm just don't I, put it, I, right. don't put it on face. But that, which sounds <laughs> ignorant or something, but 20 years ago, it wasn't I'm cool with it. It yeah. was fuck that shit. So, you know, there's like yeah. slow shifts. And well, you know, obviously the president uh, came out for gay Barack marriage. Obama. He came out for gay marriage. He had Anderson Cooper come out a couple of days ago. So right. it was like, I feel like we've seen a lot of perception pro progress in this country just like eva you can it's like watching the sunset yeah like you, actually you know what see it happen you know what yes. the biggest watershed moment to me was was when sarah palin in the uh in the debate in the vice presidential debates she said um like well she was saying she wasn't for gay marriage she was like she said 
oh, well, I, you know, I accept everyone's right to love who they want and to find partnership and like to have a person that kind of right wing, whether she meant it or not, it meant that it was political. It didn't have political. It wasn't politically advantageous for her to say, I disagree with that lifestyle, which meant to me, that's a bigger shift. And you see the right have to shift slightly. Yeah. Well, it's all happened before our eyes as, uh, you know, in the last really the the activists in the gay community have been working on it for years. I, I actually watched a, a uh, piece on that as soon as the president said something uh, there were a lot of stories about it and uh, one of the things one of the activists was saying we've been working on this for years mm-hmm. they had to work on the fact that uh, you know they weren't illegal you know right like, to do what they were going to do like it's still sodomy illegal, isn't it? sodomy was illegal until the supreme court recently decided that that was a violation of privacy rights so it's never been it's never been illegal in my bedroom uh, <laughs> boom <laughs> Boom. It's been legal since, uh, so, since so 98. For those of us who haven't really been paying attention, they've been working on this for a long time. But for those who are kind of just paying attention, all the major kind of public progress has been made in the last five to ten years. Right. And especially lately, it's been like a, a sea change in perception. And you see it in the polls. Surprise, motherfucker. You see it in the polls. You see it in all these things. And I think it's a beautiful thing for the country for us to get to that place. All of us aren't there, but I think it's a beautiful thing for the country that a lot of us are there to where we're just going to love our brothers and sisters no matter who they love. Right. Well, that was the other thing. It was like it really made it feel like it's your problem. Like it right. at the party. All right. So with the story I was saying, I was like, dude, I'm proud of you, whatever. And then. I, and then I walked over and was talking to some dudes and I was like, hey, I just told Frank I'm proud of him. And he goes, oh, what? You said you're proud of the sucking dicks? I was just like, Ooh. Ugh. goodbye. It was, yeah. You were like, Stevie Ugh. Wonder yeah, from like, you Stevie of, all, of people. all people. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I heard. Stevie. So that's the thing. Like, he's been getting a lot of tweets because he retweets some of the nasty things people say to him. So he's getting a lot of that. A lot so of hate. this was not a risk free move for no, him. No, no, right. I agree. Yeah. But I think the youth, I think. That's it's a real young man's move or an old man's move. Do you know what I mean? Like I was gonna say is this presents an interesting question because R and B is such a um, genre that kind of celebrates love and sex and and obviously ninety nine point nine 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 percent of it is heterosexual love and sex. And so Frank, as an artist that makes music that could definitely play in the bedroom. One of the things I was talking to guys about, guys in my camp that, you know, not homophobic, but, you know, they're we'll less... old-fashioned. They're, they're, old they're a little yeah. less accepting and uh-huh. progressive at, uh-huh. than I, I, as I am. So they were like, well, I don't know if I can turn this on when I'm doing my thing with my girl. Interesting. Because I know this dude might be singing about another dude. Yeah. That's interesting. Which is like... I can't really knock. I can't really knock that as a line of, you know, argument and conversation. It's like, okay, maybe, maybe that would be an issue. Yeah. It's funny because me and Chrissy don't really play music when we do anything. Well, you just and every time, <laughs> but every time. So I, I don't. I don't think about music in the sense like, could I use this to have sex too? You don't need to but, have it on a fuck tape. No, but yeah. <laughs> in fact, I heard the term fuck tape at your uh-huh. house. Yes. Sebastian mentioned. Sebastian did mention fuck tape for Sade last well, year, and then he said, "I Sade and I were on his fuck tape." I don't relate because every time I fuck a woman, I play "We Are the Champions" by Queen <laughs> again go. and again and again. There you go. You see it as conquering. More so, than so anyway, it's it's like an interesting thing. Like, yeah, will 
will guys want to play that when they're with their girl? Yeah. And if they don't, then does that like cut into someone's cells? Like what? Well, you know, right. it's just an interesting conversation. Sure, it is. Yeah. yeah. That's, I, I, I don't see it. I think eventually when he's if if he's if and when he's just accepted as that's now who he is that's that person yeah. then the music will start to speak for itself kind yeah. of a thing. Yeah. And let me tell you this album is fucking gorgeous. Yeah. Like I've heard most of it and it's just beautiful music. It'll be like a special album for this year. One it'll be one of the best albums this year. Are you a like a real romantic loving dude? Do you have to get into a certain mood to write songs? Um I'm no, I don't. I go to the studio, start playing the music, and start writing. And whatever comes to me based on the music is what I write. But does your girl ever go like, damn, you sing about all this I love you forever shit, but you're just sitting around in your boxer shorts watching football. <laughs> yeah, she says I'm way less romantic at home compared to uh, my songs. How could you not be? Yeah, because it's like not yeah, possible. Yeah. your songs are three minutes long. Yeah. That's A. You got to pack all the romance in the three minutes. Right. Yeah. Whereas so, you like to you so, like to spread it out over a whole yeah, day. Exactly. When you're with Chrissy. <laughs> exactly. Um, right. You show her an algorithm. You pull down a chart. You see here, here, yeah, and here. I'm going to hit you with a little something at 1203. I, yeah, think my song, together, I think my songs are more emotional than I am, too. Uh, right. In general. Do you... And that's not but something that's, you need not, to get into? That's not something... Do you ever write a song and go like, it's too faint? The emotion of it is too faint. Uh no, I don't I don't ever really ever say that. I say does this is this meaningful? Like does it have impact? Does it tell a good story? Will people relate to it? Is it clever the way I've written it? Is it phrased in a way that's yes. that's cool, you know? Yes. Like so I'm asking all those questions when I'm writing a verse. Does it feel good? Does it feel yes. good? <laughs> and so it could be dispassionate, it could be passionate, it could be any number of things, but whatever it is it has to fit the mood of that song i'm trying to write and has to feel right yeah you know two shorts exactly. girl exactly two shorts girlfriend is always complaining that he doesn't hate her as much as it sounds like in his music <laughs> yeah. like, he like don't call her bitch kid. as yeah. much as he says you call me by my name not biatch <laughs> you call me monique which is i don't know who you were talking <laughs> I, I thought about. i was just a bitch as a bitch <laughs> um and uh <laughs> now if you don't know john's uh fiance fiance, fiance, fiance. uh is a she's a i call her a clothing model she's yes. a swim she's a bathing suit model by the name of chrissy teigen <laughs> uh google go ahead and google chrissy teigen now and make room for your boner <laughs> uh, while playing frank ocean yeah uh she's, confusion uh, <laughs> uh she's great looking and you strike me as the kind of guy who isn't jealous at all of the fact that she's scantily clad. No, I'm proud. You know. Yeah, I would be proud as well. Proud. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I, and you're just not, are you generally sick? Have you ever been a jealous guy in relationships? No, I'm not very jealous. Um, that might be bad. Uh, like m maybe I should show some more jealousy sometimes. I think Chrissy wishes I showed more jealous. jealous thing. <laughs> that is an odd thing that some women like a jealous, a jealous streak. Well, they, well, they, they want to believe that you really care, and but that's not a real way to express care. In a, yeah, it, that's a real way to express insecurity. As yeah, far as I'm yeah, concerned, yeah. And and so I try to show our care in other ways, but jealousy is just not my really my thing. It's not a good thing. It's not a positive or healthy emotion. But so you know, everybody's different. It's just not in. It's not in me. You know. I reserve if my you jealousy. Feel like you need to like stage something where, like me. Uh, yeah, I saw Neil tonight. Hey, baby, I saw Neil. 
Uh, why is he acting weird? Falling out. Why is he acting weird? Yeah. No. What do you What do you think I mean? Just keep saying. What do you think I'm? You, I don't know. What do you? You tell me. <laughs> I saw you looking at Stevie Wonder at my party, motherfucker. I run this, all right. I run your life. <laughs> That's uh, the kind of jealousy I want. To, I want to be with a girl. <laughs> Where'd you go? Give me your cell phone. Who you texting? You tell don't me. <laughs> So that's interesting that you now when you go, how do most of your songs do you approach when you go to work? Do you go with an idea or you go and just no, like I go with music, the piano and I go with music first. Sometimes I'm writing the music myself. So I'm sitting on the piano. Sometimes I'm sitting with a guitarist and he's strumming some chords and, and we're like, mm, that sounds pretty good. And I start singing a melody over that. Sometimes I'm working with guys that make beats, you know, producers. So the beats are more than just drums. They're like instrumentals that that they think could be the basis for a song. And so I'll sing melodies over that and whatever mood that the music... Do you music, hum sounds or do you... Yeah, I hum sounds. So. Right. I just scat over it and right. come up with... And sometimes I'll blurt out little words that end up guiding where also, things I, that sound good I'd like over. to point out how great your voice is. That was <laughs> mean, Neil. Relative, I know, yeah. that was most of that. Emotion. No, how, how rel relative to most of you go, oh, yeah, you're a professional singer. Yeah. Like, when it, you played piano and sang at your house one time, and I was like, yeah, that's the kind of guy they fly in places <laughs> <laughs> to sing for people because it's so much better than anything else that they would have near them. <laughs> um, John, who are your top, who's your top female and male R&B singer besides yourself? Who, who are your favorites? They're just singer and general. Current? Yeah, well, let's do current but I, and then all time. Current. And you don't have to rank it. It doesn't have to be R&B either. Yeah, who, who, have the greatest who are the greatest voices? Oh, that's interesting. Let me think. My uh, let's, let's talk kind of all time my favorite vocalist for now. So one of them is Nat King Cole. Sure. One of them is Marvin Gaye. One is Stevie Wonder. One is Nina Simone. One is Jeff Buckley. Jeff Buckley had a voice, man. And one is Aretha Franklin. These are people. Like, oh, that's the only the only the white guy. Moshe's like, you know what? That kid could sing. Yes. I said sure Buckley, when he said Nat King Buckley, Cole. Yeah, you notice that? Buckley's no, voice that. <laughs> is one of the most amazing things we've seen in music. I think uh, he's he's like incredible, like gorgeous voice and. And that range. skin. Did you see how pale and white it was? It was just perfect. You know, yeah. just a white person. It was really white. He's just, just a white a guy. Good I just love melanin. that about like him. Almost but, no melo melatonin. <laughs> um, and Lauren Hill, I would melanin. say, was um, would be, would be included as one of my vocal favorites that actually influenced me. So all those people not only are people I love, but are people that have influenced me some way mm -hmm. vocally. So those are like my 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 Mount Rushmore. Top tops. My Mount Rushmore of singers who mm -hmm. have influenced me. Who is your, who's influenced your, what kind of life, whose life do you look at and go, yeah, he did it. Because you're like a, you're, you're a politically active guy. Mm. Uh, it almost doesn't, it kind of touches, I guess the Roots record was, was like political in, in terms of what you covered. And, and yeah, it was a completely political album. Yeah. Um, but you don't, but it doesn't seem like it covers most of your, so what kind of life do you want to, what are you trying to do? the fuck you trying to do out here man well one person whose life means a lot to me i think is stevie wonder so the kind of life he's lived where he's made some of the greatest music we've ever had 
period. He might be my favorite of all time, besides yeah. you, John. And you, we can agree that between <laughs> 73 and 76, the most inspired. 69, 70, um, yeah, 70, 71. And whatever, like, like Intervisions. Well, where it was so like, Intervisions. Oh, you have a direct channel to God. Yeah, well, he, he, he did was the like, thing that the Beatles. Intervisions, Talking Book, Music of My Mind, Fulfilling His First Finale. Uh, and then I, I think it kind of ended, that era ended with, uh, I think it was a, uh, that's a double album, Songs in the Key of Life. Yeah. Yeah. Well, he, he did the thing that we saw the Beatles do, too, which is he became this from this sort of young pop person that's, yes. uh, that the outside artistic influence into this thing. He started to experiment. Yeah. And he became, uh, I think, uh, actually, Neil said it very well. He was like a channel, direct channel to God at that yeah. time. Like, he was making some of the most... Like, the most inspired guy on yeah, earth. Yeah. It was like, what was he on at that time? Yeah, like, right. like, Quentin Tarantino, <laughs> Paul Thomas Anderson, where you're just like, what do you want? Where yeah. the fuck did Pulp Fiction come from? Right. Yeah. It's a, the, the level of inspiration and beauty that came out of Stevie at that time is... And that period of creativity is almost unmatched by any other period of any artist's creativity. Ever. Welcome to the future. Either, like Da Vinci. Literally. Yeah, no, yeah. yeah. Eddie Murphy from 80 to 84. It's, this is the kind of thing that singers like me are, are trying to capture. Do you do anything in pursuit of it? Or do you just... Well, I you mean, can you listen to it all you want. And you can try to make something as beautiful as possible. And that's all you really can do is like... Listen to great things that that move you and influence you. You can listen to Pink Floyd. You can listen to Stevie Wonder. You can listen to Jeff Pink Buckley. Pink Floyd. Now there's a band. <laughs> yeah. Well, Pink Floyd made like beautiful albums yeah, that like right. had full concepts and like really took you somewhere. Yeah. And so if you're in the business of wanting to make a great album, like the, do you are you do you consider yourself in that business? Yeah. You want singles to some degree. But uh, you want to make great albums that are experiences that somebody said uh, you want to never break the spell. Right. So you want to keep them from second one as soon as you enter into, you know, minute 55 or 50 right. or whatever that is. Like, don't break the spell, whatever you do. And so not most artists don't approach their albums that way. They just say, I need to get a bunch of singles. Right. And right. so we're going to just keep aiming at these singles and see what we can get. And that's a very successful model if you're like Katy Perry or Black Eyed Peas or whatever. That model is it's not really about album cohesion. Right. It's about just identifying the the hookiest things you can put out and and getting them on the radio and right. selling a lot of records and selling and a lot of concerts. They don't care tickets. about. Do you, are you big on like sequencing and sequencing? I don't. I'm not saying like the Black Eyed Peas don't care about album sequencing or about a Somebody whole album. Somebody told me Will's really into dancing. Go but, ahead. But. They're more singles driven yeah. than other artists. Like you listen to Frank Ocean's album, for instance, like you're not listening to pick out singles. You're just listening to the whole album. Mm -hmm. And that's just a different approach to making an album right. than, than, than the singles driven approach. I heard recently that uh, somebody, I don't remember who it was, said that the shuffle feature on, I, on the iPod has killed the album. Yeah, and to some degree it has. Well, the iPod in general has, has killed the album uh, because not only is there shuffle, but there's playlisting. You can you can say I only want to listen to these three songs from uh, you know John's album, uh, and 
and then I'm gonna put it in my mix with my right. my favorite three from Frank's album and my favorite three from and I did from I get to fucking right. Kimbra's I, I album. I pick Frank's yeah. straight fucking song <laughs> and I put I, that on my straight fucking mixtape. I would make that my my biggest. Frank could, should put asterisks for who it's for, <laughs> like for gay guys, for gay women. I would make that my fucking big, an animal. <laughs> Sorry. I was going to say, I would make that my biggest critique of contemporary hip-hop is that, and this is, I think, what Kanye does right, is there's so few cohesive albums. Yeah, the album craft. They're so worried about pumping out mixtape after mixtape after mixtape that shit like the Low End Theory or My Beautiful Dark Twisted Angel or whatever, I can't remember. Fantasy. That's fantasy, yeah, yeah. You know what I mean? There's so few of those kind of like perfect albums, Illmatic or, yeah. or, or uh, Aquemini or, you know, these like but perfect pieces. Those artists aren't quite capable of doing it like Kanye because he's really a genius producer. Right. It's one thing to be a rapper and to be able to write great raps over hot beats. Yeah, cause, but then you're just fielding beats from people. And then you're just in the business of fielding beats, like you said, and fielding hooks, and it's very piecemeal put together, and you're just chasing hits, which is... You know, Jay-Z vi- has done it the best in terms of like make chasing beats... But making a cohesive yeah. Thing. So like the blueprint, for instance, had a sound, right. but it wasn't just one producer right. giving him the sound. It was Kanye. It was just Blaze. It was a few other producers. So he's done it. He's the he's to me the greatest rapper that's meaningful right now. Mm-hmm. Uh, Jay. Jay. Okay. He's the best rapper. Uh, you just mean the best rhyme for rhyme rapper. You know, people might say some underground guy that they love right, is, right, right. but I'm talking about in the, yeah, in the yeah, sphere signed, yes. in the sphere of people that are actually popular. Right. Jay is the best rapper to me. You know, terms. Kanye thinks Eminem's the best rapper. I think Jay's better. I How, so can I you saw, tell us why. I like Jay's voice better. Let me. Can I? Fair enough. Let me okay. Say you that. know. You know what. Eminem is an amazingly proficient rapper. Like he's so good at writing rhymes. Yes, but I think Jay is more listenable because his voice is better. So I just saw uh, Ice T's. Um, although Jay Z was m- missing, but Ice T did uh, the Art of Rap, the documentary, and he interviewed every do every big dude in hip hop. The big glaring uh, people that weren't there were the Beastie Boys weren't there, and Jay Z wasn't there. Mm-hmm. But other than that, and uh, Beastie and, Boys are bad rappers. And out- great musicians, not and out out. But just in terms of legend status, yeah. Outkast yeah. wasn't there. No, but anyway, the hottest shit by far in the in, and then they would do freestyles at the end of, of these interviews. Mm-hmm. Every rapper, the hottest shit by far. Eminem was so far beyond everybody else, except for actually Most Def. Those were the two like really <laughs> mind blowing freestylers. Yeah, just just yeah. mind blowing. And then Grandmaster Kaz, who's one of the first dudes, was also the very impressive. What's funny is I he's don't... been writing a freestyle for thirty years. That's What's right. funny uh-huh. is I don't give a shit about freestyling. I think it's, none of them were real uh, freestyling. I think by it's the way, a stunt. I think it's yeah. I think it's like a memor I think they're memorized. Uh, they, they are for the sure. I, I, most of them are memorized. Two, I'd rather hear what you have to say when you've had a chance to think about it than whatever comes off the top of your head. No, I it's agree a, with you. it's kind of like a circus act to me. It's it's cu- like mother jokes. It's cute. It's like mother jokes. Yeah, it's, it's like, cute. And if you do it well, it's actually quite impressive. But I don't really give a shit because when I buy your album, I'm not buying you because you're a great freestyle. I'm buying you because whatever you put on that wax or on that mp3 or whatever it yeah. is is going to be awesome do r&b singers have freestyle battles i don't know let's you find know out. what what's funny is that <laughs> the whole philly scene was known for like 
open mics and people kind of just scatting interesting up on uh up on the mic and there was some level like i saw Bilal doing it and when he was singing i thought he was freestyling but it ended up being the song for you that was on uh his album firstborn second and so i didn't know if he was writing it as he was up there or he had already written it and he was doing kind of like a slightly improvised version of it because that's what i feel like most freestyle rap is it's like a slightly improvised version of something oh, so they've already wrote, written yeah. yeah um but anyway i don't really i care. feel that way about improv comedy yeah uh-huh. so, so i'd rather watch a really well-written script done well yeah than like you know they were making it i was like well I'm like, that's can... fine for a stunt but yeah like i care more about the finished product shakespeare didn't didn't uh freestyle at all actually he did so he was also in the art of rap so my, I said that, I said all that to say when somebody defends a rapper by saying their freestyles are better than someone else's freestyles, I think that's a a, a moot point. Uh, I I agree, and I think I will never look at it the same way again. <laughs> well, right. No, some of the some of the great some of the greatest rappers of all time straight up don't freestyle. They that they don't have that skill set. Actually, Having said that, and I don't fresh. and I don't care if their records are great. Jay Z is actually a great freestyler. Yeah. There's right. a there's a hot ninety. Gerard, what's Common's a great freestyler. Yeah, and he's a great rapper as well. Top five hip hop albums. Ooh, Let, let's all play. I can't do five. I we can do, do three. three. We can do three. Let's do top three. I'm Make it not easier. Good at that. Let me think about that. Uh, albums. Yeah. Um, it's hard to like kind of balance oh, the wow. past. I mean, I would say right. the Love Below. Um, love sorry, below. Oh, interesting. Uh, uh, the Andre's record. That that record. The 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 speaker box. Love below. So it was brilliant. Record. Miseducation. Lauren Hill. That's, a, that's quite Lauren an album. Absolutely. We have to decide which Kanye album because one of them. I think the the deep dark the dark deep fantasy. dark angel deep dark, fantasy deep dark, ocean yeah. the, the dick I, dark I, I the, actually, the floating sea of uh, dreams. What's interesting to me is that I actually enjoy listening to. Watch the throne a little bit more than my beautiful Dark Twisted Fantasy. You got it well, right. Because you could look at Watch the Throne with absolute objectivity, whereas you were involved in making. Yeah, but I was in. I was just on Blame Game. It wasn't like I was in a lot. Blame of Blame Game's one of the only uh, rap songs that's ever given me the chills. Interesting. Consistently. I love that. I I'm proud of it. I, I didn't write it, so I I got to give Kanye all the credit. But uh, uh, I love that song. Yeah. I, I say I say Doggy Style. I agree with that. Doggy Style well. is a genius album. Illmatic, Aquemini, Illmatic is awesome. Low End Theory, and uh, Balloon Mind State by De La Soul. Those are, I think, my my favorite. Yeah, those ever. are awesome. Those I'll are give you choices. Uh, I read recently that that Snoop has a 147 IQ. Really? That's yeah, interesting. Which explains. It does you explain and I have a lot. About right. Snoop before, which is you, as you said, that guy's a fucking pro. Yeah, he's really a pro, and he works hard. People like you know, he gives off this. I don't give a shit kind of image, but that guy is going. Yeah. And he's always going. Yeah. And he's out there doing his thing. Yeah. Maybe he was just high as hell when he took that IQ test. <laughs> <laughs> My IQ is high as hell. <laughs> yeah, everything about me is high. <laughs> um, all right. I think we can uh, wrap it up. I think we've got a good sense of uh, – I mean, I feel like we could do another five hours with you. and, and, and uh, But here's what my – the John Legend I know is a nice guy. Talented guy, smart guy, uh, and like I said, you had a you had a party, a July Fourth party, no douchebags, none. Like I, live even, a douchebag I was probably life. the biggest douchebag. There were no du- like it was meaning the energy of the party. I took Gerard. 
He said it had a very fam- familial energy. Interesting. I guess I'm not ever going to get on that Damn invite list then. We'll, we'll, we'll talk about it. Well, let's see, but maybe if Chrissy follows you. <laughs> well, Chrissy does follow you, from what I'm told. I could, yeah. I would hate maybe you guys should have you her tell over. me. <laughs> maybe you guys should have her over for the podcast. We would. Lo- we will yeah, have Chrissy. That sounds over. fun. And once you guys have met her, she may uh, feel like you're uh, allowed to be on the party list. Get on that invite list. John, will you do us a favor and will you sing "You're Fucking with the Champs" for? You're fucking with the champs. You're fucking with the champs. Whoa, I'm gonna sample that. <laughs> fucking with the champs. Fuck. Fucking with the champs. Get up off Twitter. Fucking with the champs. Fuck. You're fucking with the champs. Get up off Twitter. Get up off Twitter. No. Fucking with the champs. With the champs. Find a babysitter. You're fucking with the champs.